Welcome to the Penny for Your Thoughts podcast, where psychology, pop culture, and self meet. Here we are with another episode. Clap it up for us. The way that I literally uploaded the first draft, the completely wrong audio file for the episode last week about perfection is sending me to the moon. Um, if you already listened to it, you already listened to it. The edits are probably just, it just made it a bit shorter and also had the jingle in there, all the change drops and all of that stuff. And I just probably cut out anything crazy that I said, <laughs> but if that wasn't simply a lesson on being perfect, like I'm just now realizing as I'm uploading this week's episode that I uploaded the wrong version of last week's episode. Switched it up. Hopefully it's all edited and fine now. But child, F it, I guess. I hope you guys enjoy this episode, though. This episode is a guest episode. And we have Rachel. She is the founder of Adulting ADHD. I have been following the platform since... I want to say like 2015 or so and I just reached out and I was like oh my god you've been helping me so much understanding ADHD ADD how it all works if you guys know I was diagnosed officially like after undergrad I want to say and it's been a journey and yeah we talk about it a lot on this episode and I think the word and just the phrase and just all of these diagnoses are just being thrown around so much right now that I almost feel weird even saying, yeah, I have this or, yeah, let's talk about this. But it's the truth. And I think that as someone who has been talking about this for so long, I have a, a different perspective. So F it. Like, let's do it. And let's talk about it. And let's dive into it. And don't self-diagnose yourself. We are not doctors. Go to the doctor yourself if you need to. Or also don't because you're like, oh, wait, that's not me. Who knows? But super excited for this episode. Let's just dive into it. And yeah, I love you guys. Let's go. Well, tell us about your background and what led you to specialize in this and, and to create adult ADD. How did you get here? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So I'm Rach. Um, and so, yeah, I essentially um, created... Um, let's say like a newsletter, a Twitter page, an Instagram page, so many different resources to help adults with ADHD um, under the name Adulting ADHD. And um, so that came about um, in 2020 and it was never my plan to be a creator. So I'm um, a young black woman in the twenties from London, first generation immigrant, um, background is Nigerian. And so you don't really see many of us who talk about having ADHD or talking about being neurodivergent. And um, there's right. still a bit of like kind of a taboo and a stigma um, attached to it. And so how I, I thought there was something different and wrong with my brain. Um, and at first I thought it was because I, I'm a middle child. So I've got two sisters and they're two yeah, years I'm apart from both of me. Really? But I really had that middle child syndrome. I just like do my own thing. I'd go a bit rogue and I was a bit of a tomboy. So um, mm -hmm. I thought it was a bit normal. And then in 2016, um, a couple of years ago, I'm 29 now. I'm not going to do the math because I think I have dyscalculia, but I was in my 20s. 
Uh, and um, I just realized I was just forgetting things. I'd leave my house and just like for a second forget where I was meant to go. I was a bit all over the place. Um, and then it just was too many weird things were happening at once. So um, I do what we all do. And that's, of course, we go to Google, type in what's wrong with me. And um, I landed on early onset dementia, strangely enough. And oh so, <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, okay, maybe this is it. I go to my general practitioner. And I said to her, look, these are the issues I'm struggling with. I think I have early onset dementia. She didn't laugh, but obviously she finds it amusing. I'm like early 20s coming to her with this. And um, right. she gave me a memory test on the spot. So I had to repeat like, like really like baby words, like cat, beach, play. But I had to say it backwards. Um, but I passed the test, obviously. And she said, well, you don't have early onset dementia. You're probably just disoriented. So that was in 2016 and I was like, okay, well, okay, well, I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, yeah. I never would have guessed ADHD because as we know, like lots of girls don't get diagnosed with ADHD in childhood and it's seen as kind of like a boy um, disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, so following that, fast forward to two years in 2018, I saw a, a documentary. I won't say which one because it's not popular with the ADHD com- com- um, community and I see why it is a bit problematic. But okay. watching it, it followed the lives of like adults with ADHD and how um, their lives, some of their lives were transformed with medication and they struggled to do basic things like chores, the issues they were having with their relationships. And I was yeah. like, these are grown men. And then I saw a grown black man on there like crying. And I was just like, I never felt like so seen. And I did. And I think at that point I knew adults could have ADHD. Um, and then two weeks later, I went to my GP. And I'm like, right, this is it. Gave her some examples in childhood. She had paused and said, well, I don't think you have ADHD. We had this back and forth. Um, she referred me. And then about a year and six months later, I had seen two psychiatrists. And then I was diagnosed with ADHD combined type. Um, yeah. Yeah. So so were, were you diagnosed with the, like, the inattentive one or the hyperactive one? Or which one exactly? Combined, so it's both. Oh, combined. Okay, combined type. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, it's, so it took about two years for you to get a true diagnosis? So, yeah. So, in the UK, we have a, a free public healthcare system called the NHS. And, mm-hmm. yes, it's free, but everything is very slow. And so, mm-hmm. when I had started the process, I was at on the wait list, close to the bottom. So, from seeing the GP to the first psychiatrist was about maybe nine months and then another nine months from seeing the first psychiatrist to the second psychiatrist because when Mm. you're kind of diagnosed by the NHS you have to have two psychiatrists especially before they say you completely have ADHD so the final one checks the other one's work and meets you in person and does that questionnaire so yeah about two years a year and six months. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I had, so my mom, um, actually she had like a bit of like a nervous breakdown, um, when we were in college. And after that, they just kind of like dove into her mental health overall. Cause none of us ever went to the psychiatrist or anything like that. And they found out she had adult ADD, um, along, along with depression as well. And so they suggested for like all of us to get tested because it can be hereditary. Oh wow! And I was like 20, like, six at the time I want to say and my brothers took it I took it and I was the only one who actually had it as well and I always yeah. like wondered something's off but I was super smart still and it, mm. it was easy for me to like take a test like I don't know I just could like memorize things but like oh, wow. it was 
but it always felt like I was finessing it. You know, it didn't feel yeah. like, like, I, like I never read the full textbook. Like I never read through the full <laughs> research paper, but I could finesse my way, talk my way through whatever. And so I was okay, but but I knew that I was still like struggling. And And actually in undergrad, one of my like friends, she had Adderall and was like, oh yeah, I'll take it for this. And I took it and it literally like, it was like my brain like opened up. It was like the craziest oh, wow. situation. And it's so crazy. I was like, is this how I was supposed to be my whole life? Like, what if I missed mm. out on scholarships and all of these things? And w- just because I didn't, I didn't know. So that was kind of like my journey. But what happened to wow. me, which I want to know what happened to you as well was after being diagnosed, taking different medications, like the medication kind of made me like I took it for all through graduate school up until I was maybe 28 29 ish it just it kind of changed my personality a little bit oh wow or like just changed different things about me and I wouldn't even say my personality but like on the weekends I wouldn't have much energy you know because I was like just so up throughout the week or I would crash um in the evenings and also the fact that I'm a really social person I've always had like a a talk show like this or something like that and it's just the way that in part like the the personal I don't know how to say interpersonal like yeah um so I want to know like what was your experience with that and and if you still take medication if you mind um sharing and just also like what you've seen with people that you've helped out or talked to like your whole your whole spill on medication yeah (laughs) that's a really interesting like experience you've gone through because someone recently told me the same exact thing and I was quite surprised because um he asked me uh do you think you know he asked me about like medication and he said well he's worried that when he takes it it's going to change his creativity and like change his personality and then fast forward it actually did um like to him and so back to your question on medication um so when I was diagnosed that the day of um my psychiatrist asked do I want to start medication and now I'm not a big medic- medication person because I'm anemic. I had to take medication for that and I didn't like the side effects. And I have also had migraines on and off for like 12 years and I was on strong medication for that and I didn't like the side effects. Mm-hmm. And so I was like to him, um, not really, but like, let's let's go through like the medication and let's kind of like discuss the pros and cons. Um, so luckily he had like a table um, of like different medi- ADHD medications. So of course you have stimulants and non-stimulants. Um, the ones that last to three to four hours and the ones that last up to 12 hours. So we went through every single one line by line. And I know a lot of people don't have the benefit of having a psychiatrist that does that for me, but that kind of reassured me because I was like, really, no, I don't want to take it. And then I said, well, start me off on a baby dose. So I started on like five um, milligrams of like methylphenidate. So in the UK, could you you say it again? so the chemical is called methylphenidate, but the actual mm-hmm. drug name is Medicina. And um, it's the same um, chemical that Concerta is like, kind of like made with, because in the UK, Adderall's illegal. So we can't oh, wow. have like any of those. Yeah, it's illegal. Okay, well, that's probably good a good thing. <laughs> but okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't yeah, know so yeah, it is. I think in quite a few countries, well, well in the UK it is. Um, so I started off on a small dose and, I had taken medication. I was already into my professional career. So I did not have this like during university, like um, you did. But what I noticed was that I would crash very easily um, and get maybe like irate towards the end of it. I was on short acting meds. But my psychiatrist, he had said that there's going to be a titration period and it's 
pretty much trial and error. Like you're like, it's really rare that someone finds the one instantly. And so I had increased my dosage and then I had spoken to um, one of my friends. Um, she goes by ADHD alien on Twitter. She makes oh, like- Oh, I, I follow her too, wow. Yeah, like really close friends. And I was back to them like in the DMs because like by then I was creating content and I didn't want to psych anyone out that I'm experiencing this, but I did in the end tell people that I switched. And she was just like, yeah, um, she's had that experience. And I said to my GP, um, I need to speak to the psychiatrist and I need to switch my medication. So I went from short acting meds, which last up to like four hours, to kind of long acting meds, which last up to kind of about nine hours. And mm. then I have, I've just increased my dosage since then. And I'm still on a medication and right now, and the one I'm on like really works for me. Um, I my personality is still the same. I'm very extroverted. I think it not heightens that, but it just doesn't dim that. It makes it, I think right. it brings out the best in me, but not everyone has that experience, unfortunately. Right. And when I would say I never took a non-stimulant. So maybe that's something that I could like explore as well. Yeah. Yeah. We're trying to figure out what should I do? Like, you know, because I don't want to do Adderall anymore. So but I've never done a non-stimulant before. So maybe that should be a good point. It's crazy. Like in America, I mean, I feel like they push that at people, which is just crazy. Like they push Adderall, they push uh, Vyvanse, they, like they push those first before the others. You kind of have to do your own research and ask about different ones and then, then they'll end up telling you yeah. about it. So that's like very interesting. Um, you should so, try it because I know someone that's on a non-stimulant. So she was actually on a stimulant and now she's like speaking about her journey on like a non-stimulant and she's just like it's working wonders for her because oh, wow. it's like because even if you have like certain intolerances, like stimulants might not react like well with whatever you're taking or whatever like conditions you have. So it's I mean, a really good psychiatrist or doctor will basically tell you stimulants, non-stimulants and go through each one and then you can make that decision. But, mm -hmm. you know, that doesn't happen everywhere. So, yeah. So are there any side effects with the non-stimulants? Is there any like appetite suppressant like or or any that you've experienced or you just feel like fine? You just feel, yeah. So I'm on the stimulant, um, so I'm not sure what the side effects of a non-stimulant, but- Oh, um, oh, so, oh so you, you transferred to a stimulant. No, so I've always been on a stimulant. Sorry, I know someone who transferred to a non-stimulant. Oh, so the, oh, yeah. wait, let's go back. So the one that you were talking about before was was a stimulant, but it just wasn't Yeah. Out. Yeah, oh, it wasn't Adderall. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Okay, okay. And um, I think you mentioned about, like, the personality. It, it kind of got bigger. Because I also noticed, even with my mom, like, with the Adderall, um, we, like, sometimes she would over-talk and, like, or just, like, over-explain or, <laughs> you know, like, just, like, yeah. go deep into one topic. And, and I noticed myself doing the same, way, whether it's I had to research something, I'm, like, going in on it, whatever. Um and I think that's that's also like another like um, insecurity that I had that made me like be like, okay, I, I just want my real self. Like I want my real yeah. personality, nothing extra. So I know that other people experience that as well. So I think from this, the medication topic though, we can take like really researching on your own and looking at non-simulants and simulants and like yeah. don't you have to be stuck to one, to, to whatever they give you basically. Exactly. And I would say, like, check with, like, your healthcare practitioner, even once you've done the research and you speak to them, kind of get their take on things. Because I find a lot of the times, like, when I tweet about medication, people ask me, so which ones are you taking? Which milligrams are you taking? Like, how many yeah, hours does it last? And it's, 
Yeah, and it's just like, I, it's not that I, I don't want to offer up the information, but I don't want them to go and say, well, because you're taking this, I think this is going to work for me. So I'm going to tell the, the doctor to give me that. And there was some of that laugh on Twitter, not just with me, like like a couple of years ago where people were like comparing meds and some, if you go to a healthcare practitioner who doesn't really do their due diligence and says, okay, this is what you want, but they don't know about your other conditions or like how it will react with you then going off of what somebody else um is taking isn't like great so yes do your research yeah. and then speak to it's like really so it's so specific it's so specific yeah it's almost like because all of our brains are just extremely different and our bodies are extremely different so there's no you can't say oh I, I i did 15 and it worked for me like it just it doesn't work like that but that's one thing i remember like just wanting an answer though because it's like okay i know this can help me and i know this works because i felt it work yeah like what is it like how do i figure it out but i guess it's really like a trial and error journey to yeah. figure it out and i feel like even sometimes like because adderall did work for me at one point in my life and then it didn't so it's like in different yeah in your life it could it could change on what you need, what you need. Yeah, yeah. So um, I see on TikTok, which kind of, not to say that it pisses me off, but it does piss me off, like, like just all of the OD content of, oh, like, gosh. yeah, and especially, so, like, I feel like I've been making mental health content oh, since before the TikToks and stuff, and um, yeah, it just kind of turns me off, the buzzword, and all of that, Um I feel like you've been making content since I had ADD too. So I, I've seen your stuff since forever. So I know you've seen the uproar too. So like, what do yeah. you think about like TikTok diagnosing themselves? And also yeah. like, if you can give us a, a rundown of like the different types of ADDs um, from your perspective. Yeah. This is such an interesting topic. First of all, yeah. I'm going to say, so yeah, I have been creating content since like 2020, but there's been like loads of amazing people who have been creating content outside of TikTok. So people should definitely check that out. I've done like, yeah. I've done pieces for like New York Times, Mashable, BBC, I've spoken at Facebook, lots of these companies. Um, So it's like doing my research and not just creating content for like a viral moment. Right. And so I don't want to put everyone in the same basket, but I remember like during the pandemic, it's when like a lot of people found out that they might have ADHD or they do have ADHD. And again, there's so many, like there's such a lot of great content out there, but I had remember scrolling on TikTok and seeing things that I think some creators are purposely being general to the sense, so general and saying this is ADHD. Mm -hmm. So someone could say, well, if caffeine, if caffeine doesn't work for you, you have ADHD, like something like so general like that, or someone said, someone like a video of like disco lights, and then them like party, and it's like, yeah, this is what it's like having ADHD. Yeah, like, and no. <laughs> it became a bit like of a circus, because the reason why like, I don't want to police anyone's kind of like behaviors or contents, but it's like there are real people who are actually struggling with ADHD. And like, the consequences and how it's impairing their lives and if they're watching someone's content and you're a big creator and you're showing like this goofy amazing side of ADHD they could be watching it thinking okay what's wrong with me maybe I don't have ADHD and they're not going to get the help that they so deserve and so I think there are people who are deliberately making generic content to go viral and to get an audience mm -hmm. that's the first set of people there's a second set of people who are talking about what they say ADHD, are ADHD traits or symptoms and they are absolutely not and I'm saying they're wrong because what happens is a lot of people will go on the internet and talk about 
certain traits that are like very associated with like autism or OCD or even dyspraxia and decide well it's under the neurodiversity umbrella because I have ADHD and I struggle with this I'm going to point it and paint it as this and say it's ADHD when it's not a lot of these conditions are like comorbidities of ADHD so they can overlap and people can have have both and then you have some people who are willfully like mentioning traits that are very associated with other conditions um, and painting them as ADHD. And then you have people who are right. doing that, but have no idea because they haven't done their research or they've seen something and they run with it, or they just don't really understand how their brain works and that's okay. So this is why it's important for people to kind of like take information, but then do your own research. Because if you're, you have OCD and ADHD and you're only talking about, you're, you're only mentioning the ADHD part, you're probably not going to get help to address the issues you're facing because you haven't really kind of looked into the OCD part. And so some people, like, obviously, sometimes they can't help it. But I think it's really important to kind of look at, you know, different comorbidities of like ADHD. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I, I, I agree 100%, literally. What symptoms, I think you've talked about a couple of them, like, what symptoms would you say are just not ADD that people that you've seen, are, it's a popular thing that people are saying, oh, this is that, if that makes sense. Um, oh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. So I think they can coexist with people who have ADHD, but like certain things like tics and like stimming. So tics is like people who have like tics disorder or Tourette's, but if you have ADHD and both, you could have tics. You can have like anxiety can have tics too. Or anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. So like not saying that it can't be ADHD, but there are so many underlying factors and overlapping traits with other conditions that um people may or may not be considered considering. Mm -hmm. And then like stimming, it's very associated with people who are autistic. And there are so many people who are autistic and have ADHD. Mm -hmm. Um, and so probably not picking up the maybe the autistic side. So I'm not saying people don't have these traits or can't experience these traits it's just that I think sometimes the labeling is wrong and right. a lot of the times people just don't know and sometimes people do know but because they've got this ADHD brand they want to keep it all under the same umbrella so the main point is to kind of like just you you've got people watching so if you can educate them and you know better like try to kind of like do better because they are le like you know our psychiatrists and the doctors aren't telling us like a lot we're, we're learning from people like online and community so it's important to kind of have that duty of care to like the audience yeah and I'm really shocked that like TikTok is not or just like much of this FDA like, I'm, like whoever isn't kind of monitoring that because it really is like a, a, it can be a misdiagnosis for like a lot of people so I'm like shocked yeah. that TikTok hasn't like on the back end figured out a way to either put like some type of warning up or something that this is not medical advice or something like that yeah but I guess content is content honey so I guess no one cares I don't know <laughs> like, yeah I guess. exactly um, so what unique challenges do black individuals and more specifically black women with ADD, ADHD, like often face that others might not? I feel like as a black woman from from the South and even just like an African um, woman, like we're yeah. expected to just be on our P's and Q's, dinner yeah. ready, work done, like itinerary, just like super planned out, especially like the Southern woman is just like what quote unquote, just a woman who has it all together and like runs among yeah. all those things, which I aspire to be. And I always am like, what's it going to look like when I have kids? Like, I mean, I'm like, I'm, I'm moving my mom in. I don't care what no one says. So whatever. <laughs> um, so yeah, like what unique challenges though have you seen that are just different for black, black men and women? 
yeah. Do you know what? I actually lived in the South, so I know what like a Southern Belle is. And yeah. <laughs> North Carolina was out there last year. Oh my God, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, question. Yeah. So I think, first of all, um, you see that like there is a, like, there's a lot of undiagnosed, underdiagnosis of like Black women and girls with ADHD. So like that's our like very first hurdle um especially if you're like outwardly showing to have ADHD traits so like for me I was like very restless in the classroom I'd always call out I talk a lot it was a bit disruptive I couldn't pay attention and as a black person you are like likely to just be labeled as lazy or disruptive and like you're almost like not given a chance or um given a benefit of the doubt for people to assess okay maybe it's a bit more Whereas um, I think we have like like white kids, some in some areas they do get that benefit of the doubt because of that race factor. Mm-hmm. Um, so and then also the second thing is like when you're like a black woman, especially in the corporate world, you have so many competing barriers. Like you're black, you're a woman, you're young, and then you have ADHD on top of that. So it's kind of like internal insecurities because you think, okay, well, how do, are these people? behaving the way they are because maybe because I'm incompetent or is it because I'm black or what is it um because and then you start kind of like second guessing yourself and then that kind of like spirals out into the workplace you're in and then there are some people who are quite horrible like that in the workplace so it's not given basically a fair shot and not having people around you that's supportive and wants you to work to your strengths in the workplace and I think the final thing if I remember what the final thing was (laughs) oh yes the ADHD tax and the black tax. Oh my word. So a lot of people struggle with ADHD. It's very real. But I feel like when you're working class and you're an ethnic minority and you're you've grown up in an area that's not very like well to do, the ADHD traits that you struggle to manage can is likely to impair your life kind of like a lot more. Right. So there's a difference between, oh, I'm so forgetful, I forgot my keys at home, versus I'm so forgetful, oh my gosh, I forgot to pay this credit card bill, and now my credit's messed up, and like a bank's not going to loan me this, or I can't afford to do this. And I think when you're like black, when you're like an ethnic minority or from a working black, working class um, background, you're usually the latter. Right. Um, And so ADHD tax um, is basically said the cost, kind of at the cost associated um, with difficulty managing certain ADHD traits. So imagine kind of like having that, um, which is kind of the example I gave about it being forget- forgetful, it costs you, and the black tax, right? Where you mm-hmm. have to support like your family, your extended family, people mm-hmm. around you. And if you're struggling with like the ADHD tax on top of the black tax, it could be crippling financially. Mm-hmm. And I think like, I would say that systematically it's, we already have something like o- over our head. So it's like, yeah, I feel like, yeah. I feel like we, we will just be labeled as lazy or just like thrown away. We're easily disregarded anyways. So yeah. yeah and, and you can be the smartest person in the room, but just have this one thing that, you know, but it, it just looks like, Oh, this person's lazy or this person can't do their work or this person's always late or whatever the case may yeah. be. And you're just like brushed off when it, that could just not be the case. Um, I saw something on your Instagram about like, do you tell your boss about your, your ADD or ADHD? And I told my, I actually told my professors in graduate school and it was very, very helpful. Um, They would definitely give me more time for projects. They would understand me just so much more, but I also went to a creative school. So that's, that's a whole different thing. Yeah. Um, So yeah. Do you tell your boss, family, friends, people about that? And also like, what do you think um, family members, partners, bosses can do to 
assist or like support someone um, who's struggling with ADD? Yeah, this is a good question. Maybe I'll start with like family members and friends and then go on to bosses. So when I was going through my diagnosis process, I didn't tell my sisters, didn't tell like my family or even my friends because I didn't want anyone to discourage me, right? Because again, this I think there's sort of a bit of a stigma when it comes to like mental health and also neurodiversity in like black communities. I'm not sure if it's a global thing, but the stigma is there and I know it was there. Um, and so it's just like I didn't want anyone to first discourage me during the process or to be like kind of like undermine the decision that the doctors made. Um, so in the end, I told like my sisters, like my family and my sisters were like, OK, it was quite obvious she had ADHD. But I do get quite a lot of like black men actually messaging me saying, um, what do I think should they tell their families and how should they explain it to their families? And in some cases, I actually just give them like free decks. I sell ADHD flashcards. I just give it to them and I said, have a read of it. If that's going to make it easier, just show your parents that. Um, mm. But I always say like, don't do anything you're not comfortable with doing. And then also, I know some people who have done that and they've received like pretty back bad backlash and feedback from their parents and it's really like knocked down their confidence. And that's when kind of like community like um, comes into the fold. And what I say to people is that it's not your job to convince these people, like your family and your friends, as much as you love them, that you have ADHD. Mm-hmm. Whether you kind of like have the diagnosis or not, I think their response is to be, okay, how can we help you? Like, help me to understand um, how does this manifest X, Y, Z? And unfortunately, some people don't have um, supportive friends and family members like that. Right. Um, I was lucky enough like to have that and people who kind of like understood. So um, I think that's what I'd say from the family and friends perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I feel like for me, a lot of shame and guilt came with if I'm late to something or if I'm not responding to a friend or even when it's in dating and like emotional, emotional irregulation when it with ADD, how, how to get someone to understand, I guess, if, if, if that's what you want, how have you seen it work in dating and like, what advice I guess would you have when it comes to that as well? Uh, so interesting so um so when I got diagnosed it was like 2020 January and then two months after that the UK um went into lockdown for the pandemic mm-hmm. so that's everything shut down it's just like no one's going anyway so like dating wasn't like it was just basically quite impossible right. um, to actually start dating again in 2021 but the person I was dating had already seen <laughs> like seen me online but I had met them before like my social thingy kind of like blew up so they had already they they already knew I had ADHD so I didn't have to like basically tell him I have ADHD like my page was there um he also I think through like hanging out and spending some time together he also thought he had ADHD and actually was trying to start the process of having ADHD okay um so luckily that's I'm not with that person so I'm probably gonna have to think about that in future but um Mm -hmm. for me I'm gonna be very open and upfront maybe third fourth date depending on how it goes because I think now that's an important part of my life that I shouldn't have to that's an important part of my life and I don't want to feel like I have to hide it but then mm-hmm. also there are going to be some things that I might do differently differently and um not that I'm my ADHD is going to be an excuse it's more going to be a reason and to give a heads up like if I've done something let's have this open communication or if I can do something a bit better and also if I feel like they could do something better for me as someone with ADHD I think it's a healthy kind of like communication basically to to have with a partner what do you what would you do what's your take on that so uh, I 
feel like I've never, well, I just started to, to tell people with, because I have the podcast, so I talk about it. It's like, they're going to hear it anyway, yeah. you know? Um, and what I found like really effective though, is a partner that understands and also helps, but like your partner has to really see you. Like they, they have to yeah. see you beyond this thing. And they have to be like, oh, they have to know, okay, this girl is smart. This girl is amazing she's perfect she's she, she's all the things but sometimes yeah. she might for, she might forget you know she might forget to do something or sometimes she might struggle to start her work if you see her just sitting yeah. there just staring at the wall it's like let's like <laughs> tap her on the shoulder like hey do you need something so I think I have found that honestly I have to find someone who is emotionally um what's the word I'm blanking on the word right now emotionally intelligent uh, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah it's like work with me through that and just kind of be of support um and then also if if I do date someone who has it as well we just kind of like help each other in a sense yeah. um so I think just having because my mom is very, very supportive like my family like we're the type of people to like if we if we see you sitting for too long do you need some food like do you need your rest yeah. like we're very just like those kind of people so I'm realizing that I need that as well or else I'm gonna like yeah. shame and guilt myself like and just negative self-talk like I'm not a woman like how am I not a woman yeah. I can't wash these clothes I can't cook this food <laughs> like, yeah. like you know so I do want to like how do you even deal with like because I know I have a lot of negative self-talk because I yeah. feel like one of my biggest fears is like not reaching my potential and I think oh the gosh, only, yeah, it's like, oh my God, I know I can do all these things. Like, I know that I'm, spe we're all, we're all special. So like, how do you deal with like the negative self-talk? And then I do want to go into before we end, like coping strategies, like we can talk about all day, like how, like what are the solutions? So, um, yeah. yeah. How do you deal with any negative self-talk that you do to like give yourself about like deadlines or like ideas that were never turned into fruition? Like it, it eats me up at night sometimes. So it's like, Yeah. Yeah, no, I get it. So negative self talk. So like, I'm a Christian, and I think I've it's, I've only been like really. So I have been I've born and raised a Christian, but I've only really like been like had like I'd say my personal like walk with God like during the pandemic, and like up until now, it's kind of strengthening that. So mm. I think I know I can't do it like on my own. So I would like mm. read scriptures like I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and like for I know the plans and purposes I have for you. So it kind of for me it's like you know how people have like their daily affirmations some of those right. like motivational scriptures it's kind of like a reminder like things are going to work out for like my good and sometimes that doesn't work and <laughs> so sometimes I listen to worship music or like I listen to like some really good motivational speakers um and so for me it's like Les Brown and Eric Thomas mm -hmm. now with Eric Thomas it's like that tough love right oh Eric so yeah I, I know what you're talking about <laughs> yeah I like him though I like yeah I love it and, yeah <laughs> and some people don't but I for me like I know how I am and I know look I can create an excuse and I can procrastinate for like yes. forever in a day and so oh I God. need some time for someone to just get tell me to like get up and you're going to want to need to succeed as bad as you want to breathe that's what Eric Thomas oh, says wow. so it's mm -hmm. a kind of like a lot of listening to like to like that and then um sometimes just like speaking to my friends and having a community of friends where you can just be vulnerable and open to talk about like how like we're really feeling and sometimes like my friends are going through like who don't have ADHD and then we just encourage and uplift each other and it's not like highs every day I'm currently in therapy um started CBT so that's kind of like been helping so mm -hmm. it takes kind of like a lot of things and then sometimes I'm just going to accept like life isn't always mountain sometimes they're going to have low days and that's okay mm -hmm. um for me it's just making sure I don't spiral into kind of like depression and that's when I like catch things try to catch things quite quickly 
mm-hmm. in therapy. I've never had a therapist who like specialize in ADD and I don't even think I've had a CBT therapist. So can you explain what a CBT therapist is and does your therapist like give you strategies and stuff like that with, with your ADD? Yeah, it's good. So um, I actually never really like done like research <laughs> into like therapy mm-hmm. or therapist. So like I said earlier on, um, we have a public health care system. And now in my borough, and I think in many boroughs, they're just offering free therapy. So six oh, sessions. Wow. And I think Shout they've like... the UK. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they've, I think they've done it for a while because I've, I've had friends who've done these for like years ago. And so they kept sending me text messages. And I think the uptake in my borough was very low. So I was just like, why not try it out? It's free. And um, and so ultimately, they said, well, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be CBT and that's a cognitive, cognitive behavioral therapy. Like, I can't give you like a massive download on what it is because I didn't research. Yeah. But what we go through is basically the tools to help me like worry less and manage my anxiety and to move forward. So it's like um, and it's homework. So let's say I worry so much um like she helps me to realize okay so why do you worry what is that behavior doing um what are you feeling um those type of things and I have to go away and do workbooks so list down the practical worries so worries that you can actually deal with and then hypothetical worries which are worries that you can't really control and it, sometimes it's future-based and then it's that workbooks and worksheets worksheet. so basically get you to kind of like get yourself out of that but mm-hmm. going through the theory Mm-hmm. so I'm going to do a YouTube video about my experience because I'm still going through it mm-hmm. not that I like a lot of ADHDers aren't fans of it and I can see why because sometimes it feels like a lecture to me like you could have just sent me this notebook and I could have done this myself yeah but speaking to her she's a black woman and I had told her look I have ADHD so some of these tips in this book and what you're telling me is just not going to work for me that way like sitting there thinking for like five minutes and she would just adapt the approach to me as someone with ADHD she'd be mm-hmm. like so why don't you try this she sent me like a procrastination handbook and we unpick like how ADHD is kind of like impairing me and like um working alongside my anxiety and, and things like that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna read what it is exactly as well so okay. cognitive behavioral therapy is a psychosocial intervention that aims to reduce symptoms of various mental health conditions primarily depression and anxiety dis- and anxiety disorders CBT is one of the most effective means of treatment for substance abuse and co-occurring mental health disorders. And from what I know from, I was a psych major as well. Is, oh, wow. Um, yeah, for undergrad is to, um, it's more of like action-based. So you actually, yeah. yeah, it's like some therapists are just like, okay, let me just like listen to you. And you just like, yeah. Yeah, more okay, like what are we going to do about it? So if you're looking for solutions and things like that, like I think CBT therapy is way to go or if you've been in regular therapy for like a while um mm. cbt and you're like trying to you know you, you want some type of change i think cbt is like the next step also tips and just like advice for someone who can't get like medication yet or they haven't done that or just like different ways to get shit done because like, i think that's like the thing is like i need to get my shit done so i can i can go first while you think about what like what you want to say yeah. like what's been helping me is um I do I do the Perdomo method the 25 minutes on and then I do like five to six minutes off whenever I'm trying to get a task done that's been helping me out a lot um and then definitely always working out people think it's so cliche but that really does help Mm. like clear the mind um and I'm still trying to figure out what else I like need to do but those are my top two that I'm just like okay if I can't do anything else 
that's what I can control. And yeah, and I feel like sometimes with me, I'll do like all all of the small things, but I'll push yeah. off the things that kind of look bigger and the things that actually are going to move the needle in my career. I'll push yeah. those off. And it's like, okay, I've done all these things. I did have a productive quote unquote day, but I didn't move the needle. So I also want to know like, what it, what's your advice on, on that as well? But yeah, that's, those are my two things that I do no matter what, um, if all else fails. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's really good. I use them as well. Um, okay. So I'm going to do like three things. So, um, I think the first thing a lot of people struggle with is like motivation. We know what we want to do. Like we've got plans, we've made the list and, uh, motivation. And again, some people don't have enough, like they say they don't have enough energy. They struggle with brain fog. And I think for me, a lot of that was down mm. to me being anemic and not taking my medication and supplements. And so I do think if you're feeling like demotivated and you feel like you're struggling with brain fog or fatigue, get that checked out because that could be like one of the major hurdles um, stopping you from actually producing like and moving forward. Um, the second thing in terms of like practical coping strategies, I mean, I have loads of my flashcards, but for me, gamification methods. And so that's essentially using game-like tactics to kind of like motivate you to start and finish a task. And mm. um, for example, like seeing, like writing an email as a mission and saying, okay, I've got a timer. I've got two minutes to complete this email. And then like racing against yourself. Oh, that works fun. for me. Yeah. yeah that sounds fun. I, need, I need to get your card. I saw that on as well. I'm going to send it to you. Don't worry. Send me yeah, your, well, your address. Yay, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's like one. I grew up playing video games. And so that works for me. Like, so I find that there's lots of coping strategies but just try them more the second one is the reward system so if you're someone who loves netflix loves like sweets or like loves listening to podcasts or whatever you can deprive yourself of these things until you complete a certain task but it really holds like you have to have like a certain amount of discipline so i'd say like, if i'm working from home i would just say if i don't finish this um i need to finish this document before i can watch another episode of let's say bridgerton or something like that and that actually works for me like depriving myself mm -hmm. and then rewarding myself once i've completed something mm -hmm, mm -hmm. now that's so good i think that the reward system is really because i because i feel like um like with me like podcasts or youtube or whatever like that's like what, kind of what i put on just to like calm my mind down but i'm noticing yeah. it's definitely just a distraction so to use that as a reward instead of turning it on while i'm doing my work will definitely yeah. like help me get get more things done for sure and then the last thing before mm -hmm. i just remember this productive procrastination right and so that's basically stopping what you're doing and kind of like procrastinating but doing another thing but that can help you progress so let's say you needed to um wash the dishes but you didn't feel like washing the dishes you decide to do your laundry you're still getting something done even though you're procrastinating from getting the dishes mm. so like things don't just stay like never done so kind of like task switching and, and chore switching and yeah and sometimes when i when i once i've done one thing i've got like the endorphins and the energy to the the other thing that i was procrastinating on and so i just do it instantly and it works for me yeah i love that well thank you so much is there anything else that you want to leave the people with as far as advice goes and of course tell us about your cards tell us about your website where they can find you and things like that so I say for advice is tap into a community and um, you don't have to go down the road and scream that you have ADHD. Um, yeah. For me, it's just, yeah, having an online community. So I was anonymous for a year and a half. Like I didn't have a face or a name on Twitter and I like built up a following and community. So if you don't feel comfortable mm. showing yourself, just 
just make an account you don't have to like reveal yourself be the brain um, face of it all yeah exactly and i'd say for me twitter is the best one because it's it's instant communication and you don't even have to speak to people you can search the hashtag ask adhd or tweet at it and it automate it's like a bot that automate automatically retweets your tweet and people can find it and that respond to you you can just search keywords and get involved in conversations or advice so using twitter as a bit of a search engine um there's like discord groups facebook groups instagram mm -hmm. groups so like try to like find your community just so you feel like you're not you're not alone especially right. if you struggle to speak with people in person um and then the final thing is like don't be too hard for you on yourself um having adhd can like feel like um bit of a death sentence it can like you know feel like a lonely journey but it's just that our minds work differently and there are so many strengths that we can work work to yeah. um and it's just a shame that some people just don't have the community or the tools to kind of like enable them to work to their their mm -hmm. strengths i do want to before you go on um like i had all my cards like the the beauty in adhd and add there's so many talented like geniuses who have it as yeah. well and it's like it's it's actually like a magical superpower too because there's no way like i'm really I, this is gonna sound so like egotistical but, like good good at a lot of things or just can do yeah. a lot of things or just 100%. Like, I'm, like yeah and it's honestly like a beauty because people are like damn like why like your resume it looks crazy like what how are you even able to you know do all of that so it's just about like finding that beauty and knowing how to like stabilize it and just knowing how to work with it and navigate it because it actually is 100%. like a great a great thing as well so yeah um we always end also with before you do your instagram and stuff like what's been bringing you peace of mind so you can continue with what you're gonna say and then oh. go into that and i think i think that was it you know on the on okay. the advice so it's what's been bringing me peace of mind so I'm currently two months into my career break. I have like non-stopped worked and like mm -hmm. insanely. And so just having the time to like think, to create, to spend time with people, you know, I love and I like, and that's been giving me peace of mind. So just not having the stress of like working in the rat race and corporate mm -hmm. um, for now has been giving me peace mm -hmm. of mind. And I'll do mine. I think what's been bringing me peace of mind, I was traveling so much, which was super duper fun, but I really strive when I find a routine. So I've been able to like kind of get into routine in the past two weeks. So that's definitely nice. been bringing me peace of mind. And also I was drinking so much while I was vacationing. So just like being, <laughs> being sober has been make, have, I've been like super still and like really like clear minded as well. And as well. So love yeah. that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so now we can go into like, what you're working on, your where they can find your cards, where they can find you. So what I'm working on is so I want a career switch. So I've career switched like four times now. It's <laughs> the brilliance of ADHD and just being right. a comedian and being able to go into like different careers completely mm -hmm. like fresh. So I'm hoping to transition into tech, so like cloud computing or cybersecurity. So okay. trying to now study for like some certifications. Um, but where you can find me on Instagram, Adulting ADHD, the same on Twitter. I have a Substack newsletter, which is adultingadhd.substack.com. And a very new announcement, I am starting a YouTube channel, which is, Yay! of course, called Adulting ADHD. <laughs> yeah, hopefully should be out. My first video hopefully should be out this Sunday. But it's going to be talking about, of course, ADHD, anime, gaming. I'm going to be, like, doing stuff in my video. So it's yeah. not going to just be me talking at the screen. And maybe guests. We'll see. So, yeah. Oh my God, I love that. I love that. Yes. Um, thank you so much. Thank that you. Was like, yeah, that was amazing. That was so much fun. Also, I love when it's like fun and also we're learning like that's ideal for the show.